0: Welcome to the Love Good podcast, brought to you by our patrons, where you learn how to love what is good and become what you love. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about media, culture, and the art of being human. We're more than a subscription company. Love Good is a movement of artists, patrons, and young people who believe in the power of beauty to change the world. And we're so pumped you're here. Hey, y'all. So I am super excited about my guest today. He's a new friend, someone that I met primarily through Scott Mulvahill and Jackie Minton. And for those of you who don't know Jackie, she's one of our artists on tour right now, a lot of our fireside. She's actually going to be coming on to the podcast a little bit later in December. So that's super exciting. But man, Stephen is a really incredible rising star in the world of independent music right now. And about halfway through the show, I'm going to as I often do, share a very exciting announcement having to do with him and specifically our upcoming package to patrons. But for those of you who are tuning in to Love Good for the first time, for those of you who have been around Love Good now for years, you can probably all appreciate the the creative process. And today, that's something that Stephen and I get into pretty deeply. And, you know, in the music industry, there's a lot of elements, a lot of pieces to that process that most of us don't even understand. So we talk about songwriting, we talk about production, and we talk about just the joys and the struggles of trying to make a career work. We always forget that every artist is also an entrepreneur. So for those of you who need to be inspired in your own creativity or simply want to pull back the veil on how the music industry actually works. This episode is for you. So in just a few moments, I can't wait to introduce you to Stephen Day as he comes into the Love Good studio and comes on to the Love Good podcast for the first time.
1: Summer came to keep spring awake Till she falls asleep And the long-
0: Stephen Day, welcome to the Love Good Studio. We're so happy to have you in the podcast right now.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: So we obviously haven't met until about five minutes ago. Yes. Which fills me with both joy and and trepidation. It's like, I don't know if we're going to have good chemistry. What are we going to talk about? I've certainly read all of your bios, listened to all your music. And you're coming in like a little bit green on the whole Love Good thing and what we're about. But we're really pumped to make an announcement today about how our patrons are going to get a copy of, of your album. That's been out for just a little while, but it's your full-length debut, right?
1: Yes, yes. It came out, I guess, a week ago.
0: You're about to be on the road, yes. Uh, which means at the time of this release, you're going to be very much on the road. Mm-hmm. And you're living a kind of wild, crazy, beautiful life right now. Yeah. Um, before we get into it, what brought you to Nashville? I mean, I know you went to Belmont. You grew up in Georgia, Beauford specifically. Yes, Buford, Georgia. So we both shared that heritage a little bit. Not Beauford, yeah. but Georgia. Tell us some stories, like give us a a glimpse of childhood and how you could have possibly discovered this incredible gift of of singing, of songwriting, of, you know, performing and winning over entire crowds of people. Like at what point did you become aware of that?
1: Yeah. it has got to be some
0: fun stories around that.
1: Yeah. I actually found my mom's guitar in her closet and it was like an old nylon classical guitar. Nice. And... I was like, hey, mom, you got to teach me what you know. And she was like, okay. And she, at the time, she knew like three chords, you know, like D, A, and G. And I picked those up and then went to YouTube and started learning Sweet Home Alabama and stuff (laughs) like that. Classic. All the YouTube hits. But yeah, and then I started playing more and singing more and started writing in high school. Mm. And actually a lot of the songs on my first EP I wrote in high school. Dang. And ended up recording in college cuz I didn't really have a way to record in high school. You
0: actually knew what you were doing enough in high school to have written those songs? <laughs> thought, Most I people hate so. the songs they wrote in
1: high school. <laughs> I thought I knew what I was doing. But yeah, it was it was funny some of those songs stuck with me. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: And was this like a, a kind of a side hope a side gig like were you also playing sports chasing after the girls like what was high school like for you to I, even had time to write these songs?
1: Yeah, I was it was, I guess it was a side thing for a while. And I was playing sports. In middle school, I was playing football. High school, I played a little bit of you basketball. You got the
0: football build,
1: by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It never really did much for me. I was, like, always afraid to tackle people. It was, like, not. <laughs> it was, like, not. <laughs> offense,
0: lie. defense, what was your, what was I your was main I was a so? tight
1: end on offense. Okay. And then defensive end on defense. I was going
0: to go with fullback. But defensive yeah. end, tight end, that is rough, man. Well if done. I was a
1: little bit faster, I could have yeah. been a running back. <laughs> I was like five eight white guy and yeah. barely had it in me. Are you, you know? still
0: about five eight?
1: I'm like five nine. I yeah. think I got an inch. That's me, man. Five nine on a good day. <laughs> good, you know? Good. Five eight and a half is really yeah. about more. I'm right, open so. for like a mid 20 spurt. Yeah. Maybe like a like a <laughs> Second puberty, maybe. Does that happen
0: for guys like us? I mean, that'd be awesome. I'm, I'm now looking for the mid-30s I'm a, spurt.
1: So. I'm banking on it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm banking on it happening.
0: <laughs> That's great. So you're playing sports. You got brothers and sisters.
1: I do have two older sisters, Aaron and Robin. Oh,
0: All right. Yeah. The youngest of three
1: and the only boy. Yes, baby boy. Uh, did
0: that ever feel like you were swimming in an ocean of estrogen? How did you survive childhood?
1: Yeah, well, I will say I'm a mama's boy. Mm-hmm. And my sisters were like on and off, you know, best friends. And then hated each other, best friends, just a classic, like, sister thing. And so I was, like, a little bit of a peacemaker in the family, you know, yeah. cracking jokes, keeping it light. Someone's got to do that. But definitely attention hog, <laughs> for sure.
0: <laughs> you're the youngest. You're allowed that privilege, you know? Yeah,
1: but I was, like, I was shy outside of my family, That's you know? It's like. But when I was with my family, I was, like, shows on, you know? That's
0: so wild. So when you're on a stage, are you pretty alive? Like, what part of you is sort of most in the moment is it the 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 introvert that's sort of comfortable with the distance actually between you and and fans from a stage is there wow yeah. part of you that has sort of like changed through the years where now maybe that's a little bit more of an interactive kind of experience and you feel like you're sort of with your people yeah you know because i've heard both speakers a, and artists you that's know? a good question some are highly introverted and love being on a stage because it means they don't have to like get too like intimate
1: i haven't you know I've, I mean? ne- I've never thought about that. Yeah, and. I- I've tried to piece that together because I am, I've become more introverted Yeah. over the years. Yeah, man. But like, I love people. I love talking to people. But I honestly, I have such stage fright. But as soon as I get up there and start singing a song, I'm like a different person. Yeah. And I don't really know why or how <laughs> that's crazy
0: i used to like come this close to throwing up before a football game yeah and i still kind of do that in certain yeah. situations i've never actually thrown up out of nerves mm-hmm. um, but is that a little bit of your experience like you're, you're oh, just for like sure. i mean i i have moments where i'm really questioning why am i putting myself through this for sure and then once you've done it yeah like in my case it's i travel and give a lot of talks you know yeah but it's a whole nother thing as an artist to you know make yourself vulnerable uh-huh. and basically like Prepare yourself for rejection at any given moment. Yep. Constantly putting yourself out there and yet constantly, you know, coming back and and going for it again.
1: Yeah. You know, I would definitely say I'm in that boat of, you know, feeling kind of sick pretty much before every performance, which is weird. I guess it gets a little better after when you have multiple shows in a row, you know, night after night. It's like, oh, well, Mm -hmm. here we go again. But man, if I haven't done it in a, a week, even. And there's another show coming up it's like the fresh yeah nerves again yeah but they i think they feel a little less like shaky nerves now and more just like nervous energy excitement it's i think it's excitement they say
0: you peak perform and this is like a good lesson for i think all of us regardless of our state of life regardless of what we do for work a little bit of nervous energy leads to peak performance yeah not debilitating energy but like real nervous solid Let's do this. I believe you know, it. you're on yeah. high alert. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. Uh, you got any particular moments on tour, particular concerts that just stand out to you? Like they're they're almost emblematic. Is that even a word? That they, they sort of like capture the essence of like why you keep doing this. Yeah. You know, you ever had a, a great night that just the memory of it stayed with you and blessed you for a long time?
1: Yeah, actually, live on the green recently. Yeah, like I guess it was a few months ago now, but. That was like a dream since I went to like I started at Belmont.
0: Twenty fourteen, you came to Nashville. Uh-huh. Have you been going alive in the green almost every year? At some pretty point, pretty much. And yeah. then suddenly you were on the other side. And
1: then I was suddenly on the bill. Yeah. Yeah, That's and cool. it was. I think just the, the pressure, and the nerves together, and like having the best band I've ever played with. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Was just like, I don't. I, I will never forget that. Dang. I really, won't, I will never forget that. Yeah, it just felt, it felt good as soon as the, we maybe had a, like, 30 second sound check, mm. which is how it goes, yeah. you know? But as, like, first chord, first note, I was like, I'm in it, uh, you know? And, like, barely remember the performance because I was just, yeah, you know, there and doing the thing.
0: It's amazing. Yeah. I've seen everybody from Drew and Ellie Holcomb to Ben Folds mm-hmm. to Scott Mulvihill. Yeah. Live on the Green. And for those who are not from Nashville, it is this annual every Thursday for a month free festival. I mean, it's what our taxpaying dollars go to. And I love <laughs> yeah. living in Nashville. It's the best, you know? Yeah. Who are your big heroes? Who are your influences? Like, I, I see you often compared to John Mayer and Ben Rector. No small thing. Those guys are freaking awesome. I right? love those guys. Yeah. Are they, you know, kind of in a in a category of of their own or their other artists that you think, yeah, like that affects how I play, how I write, yeah. how I sing, how I engage with my fans.
1: Yeah, I I I grew up, you know, John Mayer is one of the reasons I started playing guitar, Room for Squares. I heard it in middle school. Yeah, man. And it honestly changed my life if I'm if I'm being real. You know, it was like the first album that I listened to where I just would like go to sleep with it. my headphones you know Mm. and like that really hadn't happened to me before and like every day studying it you know and wanting to play the songs right wanting to write songs that sounded like it recently frank ocean Mm. has been a huge influence and actually for my first album that just came out we were trying to make something on the spectrum between glenn campbell (laughs) John Mayer and Frank Ocean and like figure out middle ground and I actually think we we hit somewhere yeah so
0: it's a special project so I've just been listening to it since since it came out guess I'm grown now a little bit easier to remember than undergrad romance and the Moses (laughs) by the way which is great yes but you've got this like old school television screen yeah uh this like cool like it's it's so much of like pinewood socials vibe in, uh-huh. in downtown nashville yeah. or you know this kind of constant architecture here in in middle tennessee that is, is echoing back you know to the, yeah. the 50s while still remaining utterly fresh yeah you know that's the vibe that i got like not to you know totally uh-huh. stroke your ego here but like leon bridges knows how to be faithful to motown while being uh-huh. totally fresh and totally himself mm. And like, I don't know how old that guy is, but he's got to be my age or younger, you know? Yeah, yeah. What went into the creative process with this album in particular are the songs that you're just thinking you're going to be playing for the rest of your life or that people will be demanding you play for the rest of your life. And yeah. and kind of what goes into the, the selection of those songs? You know, how many did you write and then have to choose from? All of that's really fascinating for people who aren't ever on the creative side of that process.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll actually start with the writing process there. I'm I figured out that my personality is like like there's a part of me that's pretty lazy when it comes to like creating. Yeah. And so I think I got to the spring of this year, and my manager, Maddie, was like, Hey, if you want to put an album out this year, you've got <laughs> to be great. You know, like <laughs> if you want to like further your career, maybe, yeah. <laughs> then we should put an album out this year. And I was like, Wow, yes. It's been I think it had been three years. That was in the since. spring? Yeah. And
0: you're done. Yes. And it's out.
1: Yes. That's and quite a turnaround. Yeah. And so, but, but once I get a deadline, mm-hmm. I'm ready to roll, you know? <laughs> so she gave me, she was like, hey, we need an album. And so for about a month and a half, she put me on this schedule. Yeah. And I was like, let's do this. And mm-hmm. I, I, like my head, my head changed, you know, I was like, I was ready to write. And as soon as that deadline was there, I was ready to roll. So yeah. I wrote some of the songs I had let's see two or three written maybe the winter before sure and then the rest of the songs on the album came from that That's in crazy, that span man. of time maybe a month and a half wow and then right after that we went into recording dang yeah
0: so you're a bit of a machine i mean once you're ready you you've got it you just find the muse and you go
1: yeah and I'm still really trying to figure out what kind of creative, you know, songwriter I am. Some people churn them out, and it's like, yeah, nothing, but like, it was work, you know. Mm. I was, I was like picking references and then trying to pull back from relationships, experiences that did or didn't work, and like, yeah, how to like piece it all together. Yeah, but we, I think we, I, I'm not the kind of writer that wrote like. 40 songs and chose 10 you know yeah. I wish I was that sounds awesome I
0: mean some write 100 <laughs> and, and choose 10 yeah
1: I, I can't imagine that that sounds amazing because it's like oh yeah I'll take I'll take the 10 best out of out of 100 <laughs>
0: I'll take the 10 I have you yes know? yeah like, but uh. it was like I think I wrote
1: maybe 16 or 17 total yeah when looking at this yeah and we, we ended up with 10
0: You got any favorites right now? I know that's an impossible question.
1: On on the album? Yeah. Um, I have different favorites for different reasons.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Which, it's weird because the first EP I wasn't like, I loved the songs, but some of them I I had since high school, so I Mm -hmm. wasn't as like geeked out on them. Mm -hmm. This album is like fresh, and I'm like geeking out, whether it's like sonically, the way we produced it, or just the song itself. Yeah, Three come to mind. Staring at a telephone... Is maybe my favorite sonically. Mm-hmm. It's like a weird headspace yeah. song. I, I don't, I don't know like what kind of music you're into, or I don't know. But the, at some point in my life, songs became more than just like words and melody. It was like the the surrounding atmosphere, mm. you know, that like started to influence the way I heard music and yeah. thought about it. And so that was one where I worked with it with my producer and I was like, hey, I know this is weird. Like the sound of it doesn't sound like a normal song, but I wanna try and fit it into like a pop vein
0: Mm.
1: with, and I wanted it to be the one on the album that people are like, well, this is weird and skip. But later if they actually like are listening to the album, they're like, oh, this is growing on me. And then like, yeah, yeah, so.
0: That's cool. That's really cool. We'll be back in just a moment with Stephen Day. All right, everybody, you can probably imagine what I'm about to announce. Stephen Day is yes one of the featured artists in our upcoming winter package to patrons so in a matter of days we are shipping these off to nine different countries okay hundreds of packages to nine different countries any of our patrons at the 25 dollar a month level and higher are getting steven's cd in their package it's autographed by steven it's 10 amazing tracks it's his full-length debut album pretty big deal and uh, it's an amazing way for us to invest in steven to rally around his career right now It's just taking off, and uh, we're really pumped about that. So if you're already a patron, make sure you're upgraded to at least that $25 a month level to get this CD autographed. And uh, next week, we'll tell you who else is gonna be in this package. But for now, just make sure you're at that $25 a month level. If you are not yet subscribed as a patron, Get on board. Join lovegood.com. Okay? And even if you're not interested in CDs because you're like me and you don't have a CD player. Fine. Know that we send exclusive digital content to all of our patrons at every level every single week. And this week All of our patrons are enjoying the full-length video version of this conversation that I had with Stephen in the studio. It's 4K quality. It's a beautiful, beautiful video and just kind of gives you a further glimpse into these artists. More than just hearing the the podcast episode, you can now really watch these conversations unfold as well. So check out joinlovegood.com for all the details. For you, like what goes in to that production process are you really involved you kind of have a producer that you implicitly trust and you you just hand the the keys to the kingdom off to him how involved are you in that process yeah once you're in the studio
1: this was this was the first time I worked on a full album with a producer and was honestly a huge growing experience for Mm me because I had always thought I had Like a producer brain myself and like could think of parts and had parts in my head just didn't have the opportunity to like lay them down you know and it was it was so collaborative Mm -hmm. and i got to do like i got to play on almost everything yeah whether it was keys bass guitar or like synth stuff so like a lot of the parts we would sit with and we would like pass things back and forth Mm -hmm. and you know sometimes I'd have to run and he'd, like, do something while I was gone or he would have to run and I would do stuff mm-hmm. in his studio. You know, like, he had that much trust yeah. in me to, like, sit in his studio and just, like, play away and maybe come up with something good. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we both just kind of, like, handed it off. and That's cool. So it was super fun. And it's it's honestly given me a lot of confidence for future yeah production.
0: That's really neat. So I was at a workshop with Ben Shive maybe two weeks ago. He's a pretty amazing producer I've, here in town. I've heard
1: he's incredible. I want to meet him. Well, he yeah. is
0: probably one of the smartest, musically smartest people I've, I've ever met. Yeah. And just watching him dissect a song, geek out over nuances that the rest of us will never have an awareness of, maybe an appreciation for, like we can, we can hear when a song is... Classic on impact, you know. We we can tell when the production is just what it needs to be to bring out the best in the song, you know. But he was also really bold about, hey, you know, if the song's not that good, you're going to hear a lot more layers and tracks and production to cover it up, you know. Yeah. So it's really interesting, like kind of getting inside the brain of someone like that. Yeah. And to think that as a as a songwriter as an artist, you can be a part of that process of bringing out the best at least for this particular moment in the studio, at this particular time in history, you know, bringing those songs to life. Yeah. It's a special thing. And I, I suppose in some ways there's a parallel there for how we live, mm-hmm. for how we engage with reality, you know? I'm sure your fans are more than just uh, lovers of your music, you know? I don't think there's too many indie artists who can uh, have as much breakout success as you've had without also really inspiring people at a fairly deep level, feeling like they're mm. on a journey with you.
1: Mm.
0: What's that been like, you know? What what are the stories that you hear from your fans? What are the the hopes that you have for them as they hear this album, as they catch yeah. you live, whether that's an intimate, you know, environment or something, you know, yeah. much bigger?
1: I think one of them, I, I don't even remember who gave me this compliment, but it was at a show recently and someone just said, hey, it, you feel like a friend because I'm around the same age and we're like growing up together. Mm. And I think that's a dream. That's cool. You know, because that's just that's the kind of music I resonated with. Whether the artist was my age or not, yeah, their music became a timestamp for every place I was. Mm -hmm. You know, and so whether my whether my music hits somebody that is 23 or is in middle school yeah, you know yeah. which is the goal that's when i found my hero you know and like that's cool started and that's why that's why i have a time, time stamp there you know and mm-hmm. so whether or not i'm growing up with someone it's like if at any point my music can become an era or like a reminder of growth mm-hmm. you know that's part just, of their story yeah
0: yeah man yeah that's cool. And I, I suppose that's not something many of us can relate to apart from just the the friendships that we've had through the years. You know, there's not many who are given that opportunity to be a sonic part of this story, you know, like sure, a, yeah. a, a cause for, you know, like music does for many of us. Tears, laughter, yeah. joy, nostalgia, all those yeah. kinds of things. So it's funny to think about, a lot of our listeners are huge fans of Scott Mulvahill. He's been one of yeah. the artists that we've come alongside now. For the last three or four years, every time he's dropping anything new, we're on it, you know? Yeah. And we've also been able to put out some really, really cool videos of just this crazy thing that he does with an upright bass. And, you know, his brilliant lyricism and just his presence. I'm curious, do you, do you have any dirt on Scott? Like anything at all? You've oh, been on man. tour together, you've, you've oh. co-recorded. What, what do we need to know about Scott that's not been revealed, <laughs> you know? There's got to be something about him. Oh, man. The problem is he's like one of the most likable people you'll he's ever perfect. meet. I Hill's perfect. It's he's I got, perfect. Scott Mulholl is perfect. annoying. The rest of us are working at it, you know? He's making it look easy.
1: Scott I've got to have something. <laughs> I mean, okay, this is not dirt, but...
0: It can be affirmation if it, it has to be. But it was,
1: let's just say it, it was surprising, okay? <laughs> when just about every gas station stop, we made, it was just me and him in a van uh-huh. when we were on tour in the, I guess... January, February. It's almost of this a year, year ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And so it's me and him in a van. You know, we're getting to know each other. We barely know each other. <laughs> and dude gets a York peppermint patty every time, just about every time Dang. that he stops at a gas station. I respect that. That's I didn't yet <laughs> because because I was like, man, really, like a York peppermint patty, <laughs> really, and <laughs> because in the in my mind. When I went to my grandma's house, there was always a bowl of York peppermint patties, oh, you know, and yeah. it was like strange association. It's, yeah, it's just like an old woman's candy, uh-huh. you know. And so I was like, okay, I'll take you up on it. Yeah. And I think he bought me a peppermint patty because I was making it. I was making fun of him. They're good, man. And I had and I had one, and while it was amazing, you know, brought back great memories of my grandma and her house, you know. <laughs>
0: so funny man
1: peppermint patties are good it's probably the
0: first time you ever thought it was possible to, to connect the dots on your grandma and scott mulville yep that, yep. that moment yep. wasn't expected and, and yep. it hit and so, so now
1: i call him grandmother
0: i love it i will not share <laughs> that with anybody except our uh, our thousands of listeners i've also uh, never called November him Bitcoin that <laughs> but i'm gonna call him it next time i see him <laughs> that's great man that's great so life on the road i, I know you're at least home today which is great, yes. and I'm sure that feels wonderful to wake up in your own bed.
1: Yes, it really but does.
0: F- for you to, to to hit the road for a month at a time or two months at a time, I'm sure there's adventure, there's exhilaration. First time I ever really, really hit the pavement hard was a, a 45 City House concert tour that I was sort of in charge of, so mostly doing the wow. booking and the, and the managing. But it took place in less than 60 days on oh uh, both coasts gosh. and everywhere in between. Yeah, thank you for that sympathy. I can that hear it. That is amazing. Yeah, it was also, I thought, that Sounds awful. going <laughs> to lead to the end of any career I ever had in, in music. Yeah. And I just, like, couldn't quite keep up with this constant pace mm-hmm. and emotionally and, and mentally, like, waking up in a new city every day. Yeah. And, you know, often being the roadie and also being everything at once. Right. I'm sure you've tasted that insanity. Yes. What carries you through, you know? And, yeah, really, like... What is the hope to one day be that country star who's gone every weekend, you know, showing up at the Target parking lot, you know, Wednesday night at midnight, and you're just rolling right into your bed, waking yeah. up, three shows, and you're back with your family, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So how do you how do you stick with it in this particular stretch? And like, what's the hope? Is the hope to be, you know, selling out arenas? I'm sure it is.
1: Yeah, that's um, our hope for you. That's well, for thank sure. You. you know, thanks. Yeah, I. I'm honestly still learning the ropes of how to do the road well, you know. I've I've never done well. I, I don't even I don't even I don't even know if I can say I haven't done long runs yet. But I I haven't done the crazy like two mm-hmm. to three months, you know, like another country kind of thing. You know, it's like a lot of mine are still. I'm either in my minivan yeah. with like a few friends, or. I was surprised to see
0: you pull up in a minivan. Yeah,
1: I? it's yeah. a new buy. Yeah, well, um, it's, no. not, it's not a new van, not but it's a new buy. a hand-me-down. Yeah. There you go. Yeah.
0: I like it. Married?
1: No. No. Uh, no. Like, I, do, I do have a, a girlfriend. Van. Yeah, it is yeah. a dad van. Yeah. Before before the before marriage even happened, you know. <laughs> I'm just already on the dad van train. <laughs>
0: dad van, artist van, it's all the same. It was supposed
1: to be just for touring, but now it's like my... Everyday My everyday animal. vehicle. <laughs> I loved it too much. I loved it too much. That was great. But yeah, I'm I'm trying to learn how to do the road well. I'm actually about to leave with a band called Brook in the Bluff, mm. opening for them for about a month. Yeah. And so that'll be one of the longer trips where I'm in a van with them, you know, and it's not I can't do whatever I need to do yeah. at any point. It's kind like
0: of in their world and part uh-huh. of their culture. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I'm interested to see how that goes. But, you know, I think I'm an easy sleeper, which is very helpful huge. on the road. But I, I will say, like, now as a 23-year-old, I'm, like, starting to see the wear of, mm. of like, if I don't get enough sleep this night, then I'm going to feel like this tomorrow. or yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah, it takes a toll. Yeah. For sure, after especially if, if there's you know several shows mm-hmm. in a row. But I also think I'm still in a phase of being sort of dumbfounded by the whole thing. Yeah, you know, I w- I wake up, I'm in a new city, and especially on a trip like this, like I love community and like having yeah. people around. So hopefully these guys will you know yeah. be fun to just like go around the city and check everything out.
0: That's cool. Tell me yeah. a little bit more about community, because I know that's got to be a reality for you as a creative, as an yeah. artist. You've got other creatives and artists that you collaborate with. That I'm sure yeah. you, you know, share crazy ideas with. I yeah. can't help but think of like Tolkien and Lewis and the Inklings, you know, <laughs> over a pipe and and over a pint, just sharing their best and their worst ideas. Yeah. But you also, like me, at one point lived in you know a home with. How many guys? Eight, nine? nine. At once, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So you're, given that you're the, the youngest of three uh-huh. to then go into, you know, later in life, a house of nine yeah. or a van of, I don't know how many, there's going to be. I think it's six, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's significant. Yeah. You know, what is this role that community plays? It's something we think about and talk about a lot. Yeah. Especially when our artists go in and do a house show at one of our patrons' mm-hmm. places somewhere in the country. And, and we just recognize that we do live in a culture that's isolated. Most people yeah. don't have a sense of community.
1: Yeah. I think in college, you know, I had the, even that house that I lived in, it was like a way to be with people, but also, you know, it got hard to, I needed some alone time, you know, and it helped me figure out how to do both, I think, yeah, yeah. you know, because I love people and I love hanging. And so I think now it looks a lot more like whether it's, I live in a house of guys that you know, some of them do music, but some of them don't. And it's it's not really about who has a music career or, like, it's just having friends around. And then in the career world of music, I have, you know, songwriters and artists that it's fun to, like, catch up with and, and write with. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of my good buddies, I'm, I'm like, not great at co-writing. Mm. And I'm maybe trying to get better at it. I don't know. I'm, like, <laughs> trying to figure out where I am with it yeah. right now. But a good friend of mine, Geordie Searcy... Who Scott knows too yeah, yeah we' started actually writing a good bit together and mm. it's and it's fun you know I think there was a lot of co-writing situations where I was either in my head or uh, another artist was in their head where it was just hard to communicate but mm. it's you know it's fun when you get together together with somebody that already knows you mm-hmm. and there's no pressure of like we have this deadline to make this cut happen or yeah you know it was just like we were writing and whether the song or whether it turned out good or not it didn't matter. We were just having fun. You know, so
0: cool. And I'm sure that's part of the joy and even the privilege and perhaps the the chaos of being an independent artist, right? Yes. That's something that not everybody understands from the outside looking in. You know, almost all the artists that we come alongside at Love Good are independent, which means they they have a level of creative freedom that is fairly unheard of, you know, right. when you've got a publishing deal and a record deal and just a whole army of people coming around every album, every song sometimes yeah. to tell you kind of what they think is most commercially viable, right? Right, yeah. Maybe you could just speak to this briefly and then you can kind of land the plane on this really fun conversation. Yeah. You know, what is the role that fans, that that patrons, that, that believers in your craft play keeping you not only encouraged— and hopefully yeah. a fern, but also creating a space for you to be free as an artist, you know, to bring mm-hmm. beauty into the world that literally only you can bring into it.
1: Yeah. Man, that's that's a big question.
0: It's basically a big shout out to all your fans. Yeah, Because they're the reason, right? Up until yeah. this point, you've been able to do
1: what you do. It, exactly. I, and that, first off, is just amazing to me. I, like, as a sophomore in college, released an EP and— Suddenly was able to play shows in other cities mm. and have people show up. Yeah. And so I think at any point, you know, it's just like when I've made something in the past or, you know, I'm working on making something, it's like you have people reach out and say, like, this is, this has done this for me or like helped me through this season of life or show up to a show. And there's, there's a difference, you know, when you, start playing shows in nashville you move here you have a community of friends or you hope to have a community of friends and your friends come to your shows and that's awesome you know (laughs) but there's a huge difference when you start playing shows and fans show up yeah who feel like friends because of how much you you can tell they've engaged with your songs or you know and so they're singing
0: your songs and you don't even recognize them and they're not your mom
1: yes you know it's a big deal (laughs) it's a surprise every time it's a surprise every time but yeah it's I think it's unbelievable when somebody shows up to a random you know podunk venue Mm -hmm. and wants to sing along to any song that I've written so I think you know just seeing a face mm-hmm. singing along is huge. And whether it's like a DM or something that's just mm-hmm. given a lot of thanks is always amazing.
0: It's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's really easy to assume that anybody who's got a couple million streams of every single they've ever released and, and then some <laughs> people who have been heralded, you know, as an artist that comes along once every decade – <laughs> right. And some of the other kind of success stories, uh, yeah. it's easy for people to assume, ah, oh, yeah, like he's really not human. You yeah. know, we, we sort of elevate artists, celebrities, politicians. Yeah. Well, we don't really elevate politicians very often. We sort of <laughs> smear right them now. in the dirt, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it's easy <laughs> to forget, man, that, that there's a human heart beating here and that there is still like a, a deep, yeah, love and appreciation for every little encounter and every little moment where beauty just kind of breaks through yeah we're really moved by that how can we stay in touch with you steven what, what's your social media handles yeah everything and what can be other other than the album which maybe is the most obvious thing <laughs> how can we be rallying around you right now
1: yeah i'm about to leave for shows with brooklyn bluff to the west coast actually which is the first time i'm playing out there and then i'm actually headlining a tour in the spring which Amazing. i'm super excited about. march right Yep. Yeah, full good. band. I've never done a full band headline tour. Congrats, so. man. That's huge. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And then socials are just at Hey Stephen Day. Steven. At
0: Hey Stephen Day. Yeah. Steven H-E-Y. With Got yeah. it. Yeah. Good. Well, Stephen, this is the beginning, I hope, of many conversations. Yeah. And what I hope are, you know, a few thousand new fans that are currently only patrons or listeners of our podcast who want to rally around the, the next best thing. Yeah. So keep it up. And thanks for letting us be a small part of it today.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Peace. Peace. Maybe I'm just not your tight, But I'm hoping I'm just right Come on, girl, it's worth a try I just need it to be mine So if ever you are free And a friend you need I'm nothing more than a man Trying to start a history Hey, lady Why don't you be my baby It's driving me
0: All right, beautiful people. We hope that you are now as big of a fan of Stephen Day as we are around here. He's someone that, well, we've been listening to pretty nonstop here in the Love Good office and studio. And now are super pumped to be sending out his CD to patrons all over the world. Quite literally. Yeah, Stephen is probably someone that we're going to hear from again. We've got a lot of mutual friends. He's probably one of the most easy to be with and easy to get along with new artist friends I've ever had. I mean, yeah, he is salt of the earth. And as you heard as this conversation unfolded, just the nicest guy you could possibly hope to meet. He's exactly what we hope artists are like when we actually meet them in person. So very different from the kind of green room mentality or, you know, kind of celebrity aura that many Artists have So, anyways, Stephen's awesome, and to, to all of you out there, I just can't thank you enough on his behalf for not only listening to this conversation unfold, but also for hopping onto Spotify, streaming his new album, obviously hopping onto joinlovegood.com and patronizing the arts and specifically rallying around this brand new album from Stephen that you can get autographed exclusively as a Lovegood patron. And as always, we can't thank you enough for standing on the front lines of building a better culture, for joining us in this beautiful, Pursuit of truth and beauty and goodness together. All right, y'all. Have an amazing rest of your week. We'll see you next time around. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. Tell your friends all about us. Follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. Start enjoying our exclusive content and seasonal packages that will raise your standard for music, books and art and inspire you to build a better culture. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.